we've all got something to say. We've all got really great input and we've got great perspectives and great ideas. How often do we ignore ourselves because we're doing somebody else's stuff? Yeah. And maybe right. just maybe you're trapped on that highway because you were doing somebody else's version of you instead of your version of you. Level up your financial fitness and place yourself in the driver's seat of your career success. Kendra Rommel hosts The Rommel Report, a monthly podcast that takes your side hustle, real estate projects, and other investments to the next level through stories from young entrepreneurs like you who share the hard work, failures, and triumphs that help them scale their technical skills into a profitable business. Hard work alone won't make you a millionaire. Just like a pro athlete, it takes grit, discipline, and mastery. That's why host Kendra Rommel shares insights from her own success as an accomplished loan officer and Futures Financial co-founder. Hey everyone, it is Kendra Rommel with the Rommel Report. Today I am here with a special, special guest. Um, I'm actually so excited to sit down and talk to her. She's funny, she's witty, she's got a lot going on and a lot to say about it. Um, this is Miss Lee Brown. So Lee, welcome. Hey Kendra, thank you for having me on your show. I'm so honored. Yay. Well, I'm honored to have you that you made time. So um, Lee is, as you can see, nothing short of awesome, just with her earrings and her matching sweater alone. <laughs> Look, that but, never happens. So let's make sure and celebrate that because it's a rare occasion. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So um, Lee is a realtor. She has her own brokerage. She has her own podcast. I'm not really sure what she doesn't have. So let's just start with that. Why don't you tell us a little bit about how Lee got her start? Lee doesn't have a filter. That's what I don't have. <laughs> let's be honest. I got my start as, well, Frank, I'd have to master the real estate more sense when I went and pretended and waited tables to pay for school which means when I got done with school I said I don't know what I want to do so I managed the bar where I worked and then one of my regulars hired me to become a stockbroker so I moved to Manhattan and sold stocks and I don't know if y'all can tell or not but people in New York have accents and so they did not understand what I said and I was not cut out for city life so I came back to Charlotte and was driving by this business I said I know what Husqvarna is because I grew up on a farm. Husqvarna is premium chainsaws, weed trimmers, and lawnmowers. So I pulled in and I went into the front desk and I said, y'all hiring? And the sales manager came tooling around the corner and he said, I want to talk to you. So I became the only woman on the sales force for Husqvarna. So I sold chainsaws, which was great fun, but corporate life didn't suit me because I'm slightly hard to manage. And I was like, well, shit, I am 25 years old. I forgot to ask if I can cuss on your show. I probably just did. No, no, no. I love it. Come with it. It snuck right out. So I was 25. I'm like, I have to land in something. I can't just keep hopping around from job to job. And my dad had been in real estate since I was small-ish. And he said, just come get, do real estate. And I was like, oh, I don't want to do what my dad does, but what else are you going to do? So I joined him and that was 21 years ago. And here I still am. And after all of that, I do refer to my dad in the past tense, but he's not dead. So for anybody that worries, he's alive. He's just retired. And we built a, a wonderful real estate business, which I turned into a different angle because I love instructing and speaking. So I built the speaking business and then became an author and started my podcast. And I'm pretty much willing to do anything that looks interesting because why not? If you want something done, ask a busy woman. Yeah, <laughs> totally. I subscribed. I subscribed. You, I fell into the, the trap. I didn't know that. So Husqvarna, same Husqvarna as dirt bike Husqvarna? Yes, but they sold that brand to Kajiva Italy. They are a high quality bike. And I will just point out that it's been said that they're the only motorcycle that can climb a tree. Get out of town. And why you still know that? So it's still sticks. I don't know, friend. I don't know. I know all kinds of things that I have no business remembering. And I blame the children, frankly, because I was so sharp until I had kids. Yeah. Suddenly my vocabulary was gone and I could remember certain things and not others. And it's their fault. <laughs> I have too. I get it. Trust me. I get it. But we, we, ride, we ride dirt bikes. And so we go toe to toe. Husqvarna is also KTM. It's emerged. It's emerged. It's a blend now. So I go. think uh, when you said that, my ears perked up. I'm like, she used to work for Husqvarna. That's crazy. 
anyways. That's so, so funny. Um, you never know where you're going to connect with people, which is the story of entrepreneur life, frankly. And corporate people need to break out of their little corporate shells sometimes because that's where the fun is in life. That's right. Well, that's what we're doing here, right? So I work for an organization, but I kind of just roll to my own, uh, <laughs> to my own accord. <laughs> but um, obviously with their permission, you know. They but, love your spice because that's why this is a popular side jam. Yeah. So talk to me about, obviously your personality has carried you as far as it's carried you, right? Um, when you started real estate, what would you say was the most difficult thing for you? When I started in real estate, I was not nearly this bubbly or confident. So I'm a natural introvert. I'm an INTJ, if anybody knows the whole Myers-Briggs thing. And mm -hmm. I'm really high on the J, the whole judgment thing. And when I came into the business, I'm organically a checklist to do organized person. But joining my dad, who is a typical realtor, and his office was this series of piles. And my blood pressure went up and my heart stopped. And I'm like, what is going on in here? And I had to get him organized because I can't get anything done if I don't work down a list. That's just how my life operates. That's why my little list is sitting here beside me because I'm an old person who likes to write things down. So it was hard for me to adapt to a very wild business where you can't control any outcome. You can't control your day. You can manage it in some aspects, but always something is going to crop up. A little fire is going to happen. That was really hard to adapt to at first. I learned how, and I figured out my tools and strategies for it, but it took a little bit to adjust to it because I was coming out of a salary world, coming out of a world where I knew what time I had to be started. I knew what appointments I had to take and what I had to turn into the company as far as paperwork into a world where if you can't figure your own discipline, oh, hell, nobody's going to do it for you. Yeah, right. So juggling your schedule was a big one, but aside from juggling your schedule, how did you make your first impactful move in real estate? What was the defined pivot? If you Ooh, what would be an impactful move? Cause that could be a lot of things that could be buying yeah. my first house when I was a single girl by myself and my interest rate was 11 and three quarters, which young people today could never manage yeah. to think about because rates have been low since mm, 2008. Right. But I was so glad to get a loan. I was so proud. It was my first house. It was all mine. That was really impactful because then my confidence went, right. I could do it. And for many of us, we don't go do something that's really big by ourselves because we think you need something or somebody to already be in place. And you've got to do things in a order. And that's, I've never been somebody that needed things in order. I need a checklist, but I can do it how I want to do it. Mm -hmm. That was huge because then I could talk to people differently. But as far as my business impact, I'd say a huge moment for us was in 2003, my dad and I decided to open our own franchise and we had been at a company owned by somebody else those first three years of my career. That was a big leap. We had to write a big check for a franchise fee. And that's really, really scary. We had to find office space. And that's really, really scary because now you're committed. Yeah. And in real estate, much of what happens in a realtor's day-to-day -day life is not really committed. It's jumping from thing to thing. But when you write the check and sign the lease, you're in just like writing the check for deposit and signing the mortgage, you're committed and you're in. Yeah. And then it grew from there. But those are probably two of the really big moments in my early career that were just game changers. But I'll tell you, the biggest game changer for me came in 09, which of course was the middle of the Great Recession. And 07 was when North Carolina's market fell off the map. And of course, in some markets, it had started to go sideways earlier. But this is before social media was a huge thing. It was a small thing then. Yeah. We didn't really run our lives. So the wheels fell off the bus and the phone stopped ringing. And I was like, shit, I think real estate's over because nothing's <laughs> ever going to happen. I took organ lessons so that I could go get a side job at the church to have some cash coming in. That's how panicked I was. But I kept selling houses in the meantime, because you think about it, sometimes your fear is operating in this side of your brain. The rest of you is operating on muscle memory. So I was still selling houses at the same time I told myself that real estate was over. Right. Looking back, I'm like, you're stupid, but it's okay. Moved <laughs> past it. 
But in 09, I get this phone call from a volunteer at the local realtor association who said, hey, give some money to RPAC. And I said, why? And they said, because you ought to. And I said, well, all right, I don't know what that is. But after that first phone call, I got appointed to a committee for government affairs. And I said, is that what realtors do? Because I didn't know how big the breadth was of what realtors do besides sell houses. I was only selling houses. And once you learn things, you can't unlearn them. So I oh, dialed into volunteer world. And as I dived into volunteer world and still continued to sell houses, I found out that I actually am a pretty good public speaker because I didn't know it till that point. So I started to exercise that muscle and to share and share and share and help make other people better. But it was that one phone call that a volunteer made to me, which reminds me every day that if I don't call people, it's actually pretty selfish of me because I might be depriving them of a different outcome than they ever expected. So awesome. I think that's, that's kind of three impactful moments and you asked for one, but I like to over, over provide. <laughs> just posted something about that. Don't, don't worry about creating your success, create value. And it's something that I think that we all, it starts in sales, right? Everything has a sales aspect. I think. Yes. So if you quickly realize that you hone in on your own knowledge, you continue to educate yourself, invest in yourself, then what you give is opening opportunity for other people and yourself right? It's this mutual gain. So if you don't look at it as a transaction in selling whatever you're offering, Husqvarna chain, chainsaws or dirt bikes or a, a house, it really is no different other than understand your product, have the best and be the best at understanding your product and what you're able to deliver, never commit to being able to over deliver that and execute, right? And and so with that comes opportunity, I feel like. Consistent yes. opportunity that will feed you for your life. So um, it's interesting that you would fall back on learning how to play an organ. It was, I was, that was a crazy time though. I mean, it's enough to sell. There's more competitors than we've ever had. And so it's a different kind of fear. Now there's the fear of not enough to sell. Then it was too much to sell. But that was my first really disrupted market. And the right. first time you encounter something that feels bigger than you are, you can actually gauge who you are by your reaction to it. So my reaction was to dig in and work harder at something else as a backstop. But we also know that during the coronavirus era, a lot of people just threw their hands up and laid on the couch and watched Tiger King. And there was no reason for anybody to watch Tiger King. Let's just be honest <laughs> about that. We um, all have an opinion about Carol Baskin. Why? Because that was a defense mechanism was to lay on the couch, eat Doritos and watch that mess instead of leaning into whatever angle could carry us through. Right. And you think about it, it's all the, the different ways that abundance manifests itself. It's exactly what you were saying about that perspective is all that abundance perspective. And I saw the most amazing quote and I need to memorize it because it was so good. It said the world already has abundance but what we put into it is limitations. That's right. Said, yeah, that's right. But where do the limitations come from? It comes from us. Yeah. When we decide that today's gonna suck. You have to decide today is gonna be great. You decide that somebody's not gonna buy something from you or listen to you. Well, then they're probably not going to. But if you decide that I do have something to say People That's might right. listen. That's I do right. want to make something happen. Then you'll go do it. You know what's interesting about that? So I 100% subscribe to everything you just said. So every day I wake up and I say, thank you. And, and I learned this more recently with David Meltzer. I don't know if you know who that is, but David Meltzer reminds us all to live a life of abundance. So do a lot of mentors now. I feel like abundance is a very, very widely spoken to topic, um, a little overplayed. I'm not even sure the people delivering it always. It's like uh, authenticity used to be right. cool, never used. <laughs> yeah, right. Like what? But um, <laughs> these What's are next? two A words. Just don't be an a hole. But you, you know, it's the two A words. <laughs> but um, he teaches us to wake up and say thank you, or reminds us. I should say, not teaches us. Our parents teach us that, right? But well, they should. 
Yeah, you'd be surprised, right? If you're a parent listening and watching. Hello, teach your kids some gratitude. They need it. Just saying. Yeah, right. I, I honestly have contemplated dropping my my teenagers off in the middle of Africa and just seeing if they make it home. I feel like that would teach them something. <laughs> That'd be the best reality show ever. I don't know what mine would do. They would fight for a minute, but then they might work together because two teenagers is a very very unknown set of variables we'll just put it that way that's right i feel like there would be episodes of my son dragging my daughter by her hair i mean maybe or the other way around or i don't know but it would be ugly nonetheless but um i forgot even where i was going with my thank you but um, we were starting our day with gratitude oh right so and then I we was... told parents they should do the same thing and we rabbit hold that's right <laughs> There's a lot of things parents maybe should do. Revert back to spankings. I know. I'm probably going to get punished. Yeah, no, preach it. True. <laughs> Expectations. They're not the center of the world. Maybe right. they should know that the world does not revolve around them. Should we do, let's do a whole show on this. Let's I, I was just going to say, we're going to go segue so far left. We might both lose 50% of our audience. Thank you for playing. Or we'll gain 300% who come up in here wanting to high five and hug us. That's right. They're all women with drinking problems. It's fine. Um, so anyways, we, uh, what I was going to say is that we start our day with a thank you, right? You wake up and you're like, I can do this. I have something to tell the world in just 30 minute segments. So how do I make this the best 30 segments of somebody's life? But um, in that same breath, there are days when the suck continues to punch you in the So what does that look like in Lee's world? What that looks like is I just keep going. I mean, I know that I'm not normal by some people's standards. I have a high level of energy. I don't sleep well. I always have to have a thousand projects going. But if something starts to go to shit, I change notebooks, right? So here's how I live. I'll show you. I have the daily planner notebook. I have this notepad for this. This is my new my clubhouse notebook because I get ideas off of there. Topics notebook. This is my emotional. I change books. So what I do is I get this life's going all to shit. Open this one up. It's a different space in my head. Yeah. And all it is is like being on the highway and you're stuck in traffic and you see an exit ramp. What do we all do? You're like, I'm going to take the exit ramp and I don't care where I'm at. I will figure it out. So right. that's my mechanism. I'm not a hide in social media. I don't hide in YouTube or in television or any of that. I hide in notes and thinking and writing because I feel like when I'm in a shit storm, I have to reboot. And for me, rebooting is around thinking because I really trust my brain to get me through things. And we should all trust our brains. We've all got something to say. We've all got really great input and we've got great perspectives and great ideas. How often do we ignore ourselves because we're doing somebody else's stuff? Yeah. And maybe right. just maybe you're trapped on that highway because you were doing somebody else's version of you instead of your version of you. That's such a huge point. And by the way, I'm going to miss, I'm going to repurpose your, um, if we're all on a highway, we take the exit and figure it out because you're allowed to steal it, use it all you want. It's your gift, Kendra. Thanks. I mean, I've gotten a lot of gifts today actually from you. So, um, and I love that you have a clubhouse journal for, for those listening, um, Lee, I met Lee in a room in clubhouse clubhouse is a new audio, uh, audible only. It's so app. addictive. Oh, it's too much for people like me. It's really too much because it is really like a global conference. You know, you can pick up anything you want to pick up. So in that, I've met some great people. I'm sure you've done the same and um, just great ideas, which now have me veering a, a sharp left or a sharp right, but it's okay. Um, that's why they live in a parking lot, right? So I can go to this when I have the two seconds to pull the idea up and look at it and chase it or pull it up and say, not in my lane right now, put it back to the side. If I keep everything in one space, it's going to get really, really muddy and then nothing gets done. Well, so that I think is a huge point for any entrepreneur or business person who is trying to scale up. And, and this is a, something that's talked about with some of the wealthiest and most successful people. You have shiny penny syndrome or shiny object syndrome, right? That is totally me. I do. 
And corralling those thoughts to be effective is absolutely crucial to running a successful business. So I think that's a fantastic idea. It could look different for a lot of different people, right? How they compartmentalize and execute could be very different. But I think as long as you have a system, whether it's an, a true system of a notebook, a calendar, however it is, compartmentalize and execute. It's, it's just something that works, right? I had to write that down. That's so perfectly <laughs> concise, compartmentalize and execute. Is that something you say all the time? I try to myself. <laughs> I think you, this needs to be the title of your book, friend. Compartmentalize and execute. It's um, so speaking fantastic. of that, what is your um, book called? You said you have a book? <laughs> well, we already made fun of it. It's Outrageous Authenticity, but I wrote it several years ago. So it was before that became overused. Right. And then my second book is Seven Deadly Sins of Sales. And my third book is Peeling the Onion. So I have be who you are is kind of a branding book. And then I have actual sales tips. And then my latest book is about taking your social relationships and reforming your real relationships to, to get out of that 2D world. And I wrote it before the pandemic started and it came out during the pandemic. So it was very, very wild God timing right there. So yeah. I Love just that. like to, I like to get things out, and I think you're going to have to write a book called Compartmentalize and Execute. And if you don't, then I will. So you're now going to have to get it done. I'll write a book? I barely read eight pages a day. Um, oh, look, my books are 88 pages long, friend. I know that my audience has a 45 minute time in which they can operate. They've got these short attention spans. Although I was told that my books take an hour if you have a glass of wine. Super. So you can cliff note. You can cliff note that. They are cliff notes and they got Perfect. pictures too. I know my people. I told David Meltzer that. I said, my favorite book of yours is the one that's 33 pages long. And I did it before I finished my second cup of coffee. It was fantastic, but it was so impactful. It doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be unattainable. So you right. think about your relationship with that 33 page book. I could get it done and it was impactful. But in your head, prior to that, you just said, well, I can't write a book because why it's too big. So what if you just reshape what Kendra's book looks like into something like the style that David used and that's compartmentalizing and right. executing. Well, I think mine would be more like photo book. <laughs> it's one oh, line. That could be a happy place. That could be a, a coffee table thing. It could be wildly right. successful. Yeah, that's totally my speed. Cliff note me. So it would be a book of cliff notes on compartmentalizing and execution. And then you could make posters out of it and sell them on Etsy. I mean, there's so many ways you could take that photo book and repurpose it. Revenue stream, girl, revenue stream. I hear you. I hear you. You're totally that. You're totally that, Lee. That I am is that. your GM. You're just like, oh no, we're not going to stop at a coffee tea uh, uh Cliff notebook, we're going to put posters, we're going to throw it on canvas, we'll get somebody to fly a plane and drag the verbiage across the sky. <laughs> we may as well, there's people that will do it if we tell them what to do. And that's what strong women do. We give instruction very well. That's instruction. We strongly encourage. With oh, I give instruction. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's, let's kind of go back because we did go again, right? But that's okay. Okay, so the team, the team um, loves it. they get to edit us. They're thrilled. They're, they can't wait. They're like, oh God, this we're gonna have to get one of those Husqvarna chainsaws to chop this up. But um, so in that, I will say you have developed quite the little enterprise for yourself. And it's not little. You've you've developed a massive enterprise in that you've branded yourself. Did you think when you started all this, it was about branding yourself? all accidental. I am that person who is not ready, aim, fire. I am fire, aim, ready. I just start flying off at the hip. So the example I'll give you is my little cooking show that you mentioned, My Kitchen, My Rules. I started that during the stay-at-home orders in the pandemic because needed something to do. I had fans online that were looking for content. So I said, well, I'll just let y'all watch me make supper. And so I turned my camera on and start showing what I'm making. And then I have a lot of people who are just like me, the medium aged moms with teenagers who work and they don't know what to fix for supper either. They're not fancy, but they're also just looking for some camaraderie. 
looking for right. some ideas. And right. so it took off in this really big way to where I'm now the official spokeswoman for Dixie Crystal Sugar, which was a complete and total accident. And now that's got its own little business going on that cooking show does. And I didn't mean for it to, but when you trust your instincts, which are to let people into your life, my mm -hmm. instinct is always be vulnerable, be transparent. And that's an attraction mechanism. My yeah. audience tells me what they're going to dial into as well. And then I can impact their lives in a positive way, which if I'm lucky impacts me too. Right. That's just one example. But when I started back in real estate, I did everything the way everybody else did for a long time, because mm -hmm. that's what has always worked. Why recreate the wheel or whatever the old adage is. When I started using video was when everything changed because I was an early adopter of video started during the great recession when I got angry at Bank of America and had a video that went viral. <laughs> that was wild. And then I said, oh, snap, this will work. But I developed this reputation as the no bullshit realtor. And that's what my clients were calling me. So I was like, well, how do I lean into this? Because that actually is how I operate. But it yeah. had never occurred to me to create it. It had to organically appear. That's right. Well, so I love that, by the way. Um, I think I told you when we started this, when uh, prior to us actually starting this, that that's kind of the way this this um, podcast has evolved, right? It's just something that I stepped into and then had to put waiters on. And then and now we're trying to figure it all out, right? Um, because it works. And sometimes it, right. you don't find that it works until you start it. That's right. Well, that's like the story of our lives, right? I feel like you just go charge and then apologize later. It's just something that happens. But look, Kendra, um, you have the best analogy for that. Do you remember the first kid that you had? Oh yeah. The, the hospital sent you home and you're like, I, I don't, I don't think y'all mean to send this thing home with me. I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. What am I supposed to do with the baby? And then you get the baby home and we sat our daughter in her carrier on the bar and we sat there and looked at her and said, we don't know what to do now. <laughs> they sent this baby home with people who don't have children and expect us to keep her alive. And we figured it out because we had jumped in. Just like you said, you started and then you waited all the way in. Had to figure out. Right. That Can't is a great things. analogy. I remember, you know, people tell these glossy stories about the first time they had their baby and how they were instantly in love. Liars. And Right? And so I was ashamed that that was not the feeling that I had. Thank you. Because I had postpartum and maybe you did too, but it took a minute because everything is so hard. You wind up in love with your kid, but there are some <laughs> minutes there that are sketch. And so I think Kendra and I are telling anybody watching this, if that was ever you, we send you a high five because nobody told us either. No, that's right. It was not in the handbook. 101 rules you should know. I mean, they told us how to swaddle our kid, not they strangle our kid. They didn't tell you your boobs were going to be deflated balloons either. Why doesn't anybody <laughs> warn you about that? Having chicken cutlets in my bra was not expected. This is not <laughs> No, true story. They didn't say that if you pay a little extra, you could have the instant mommy makeover six weeks after. No one tells you that. That would have been so nice. Right? Package and not just deal. for the Kardashians. We deserve it too. That's right. That's right. No one's trying to look at a long back or, you know, nobody. <laughs> I, I get it. Trust me. <laughs> this is what keeps me in the gym as a middle-aged woman. Is, I don't know. We're medium. We don't know what the middle is. We're just medium. Well, I mean, we might be three quarters of the way over. I don't know. I'm not trying to figure it out, but I'm just saying like, it might actually be a thing. So, uh, yeah, I remember firsthand, you're, that's a fantastic analogy when they put my son on my chest and I thought, I'm not crying because I'm instantly in love. I'm crying because I'm scared as hell, you know? And I, and I realize now that I just can't go to roll over and go to sleep. You know? And it's your first video. It's the day you open your business. It's all of those really scary firsts that you have to dial into. For sure. I think sure. we should uh, do a whole podcast episode just about that because we just hit on something really big by accident, friend. We're like yeah. brain surgeons here for real. <laughs> well, I hope you have gloves on because there's a coronavirus going on, you know? Oh, please. I figure either the Lord's going to take me down with the coronavirus or a stroke or a beer truck. I'm just going to keep on living because I don't know I what's going to take me out. 
That's exactly right. I tell everyone that I'm like, I know this sounds really bad and it's not well received, but if God really wants me to go down with the coronavirus, then that's the way I'm going down. It's unfortunate because I saw it way bigger and grandiose, but that's the way it happens. I'm with you. I want to be in the paper. And so for us to be in the paper with coronavirus, we'd have had to been early adopters. Right. So I guess we have to find another way to go now. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I mean, there, there goes our other half of our audience. We just lost them officially. I mean, you know, but truly people do need to lighten up about everything in life. And nobody uh-huh. says that it's not a serious virus in a serious time. And we're all trying to figure it out. But for heaven's sakes, you can't just lay on the couch and watch Tiger King. There's a time in life when you have to say, things are weird, things suck, I have to have the faith that I can be a grown up and figure things out. And that's all we're suggesting friends who are over there wanting to at us, don't at us without love. (laughs) True story. That's actually true story. So going into business, I let's touch on that, right? So there's so much sensitivity in the world. There's so much self-talk and downward spiral that way. Um, that this motivational tangent has gotten off the chain, right? Everybody's picking up a, a camera. Everybody wants to tell everybody how to be inspired. What what is your what is your thought on that, and how do you how do you approach that? Subject? Is it wrong to say that I don't think about a lot of that crap, and I see it in my feed, and I keep scrolling, unless it's somebody that I already like and respect. Right. So if I like you, and then you have this moment that you want to share with the world, I'm going to dial into that because I know it's you speaking from here and from right. here to impact right. me. But if I look at your, for example, your Instagram feed, and it's all a bunch of damn quotes, and you just out there cheerleading i'm gonna think that you're trying to make a living out of cheerleading instead of making a living out of something that is going to allow you to give me something to cheer about because there's a difference it's why tony robbins he's hugely successful but he's always driven me crazy because he's got big shiny white teeth but also (laughs) the teeth are really kind of frightening but in addition to that did he ever do what I do? I, I've never seen an example where he was in the trenches, almost broke with his sleeves up doing a job. He's always made a living being a speaker and there's nothing wrong with that, right? People I identify with, that's not my people. And I guess that's the long answer to the motivation piece is you got to know who your people are. Who do you identify with? I tend to spend a lot of time with other medium aged moms because we identify, we have teenagers, We're old enough to have let some of our filters go, but we're young enough to be fun and vibrant. That's your avatar. And so if you're 25 years old, you've probably got a different avatar than I do. And if you're 65, you should have a different avatar. And it's understanding that helps you narrow your focus, which means you're not going to see so much crap. Right. Because so much of it is crap. Yeah. It's mental target advertising, basically. (laughs) Mental target you are so full of like little tidbits that you aren't even hearing yourself say. So, um, so you had said we're at an age now where we can let go of some of our filters. So that's, that's actually insinuating that you've had a filter at some point in your life. I was the most quiet, withdrawn, shy child on the planet. In fact, the people who raised me in the church and in the community, when they see me on stages now, they're like, can't believe us as the same little girl that wouldn't say a peep because I wouldn't say nothing to nobody and it was my ninth grade civics teacher Mr. McClanahan who got me out of my shell and he was so proud of himself until the day he died he was so proud that he taught me how to speak up for myself but still when I got out and started educating other realtors and started speaking I realized that you're always going to piss somebody off right and The worst part is you'll get a hundred reviews back and 99 will love you and they're glowing. And there's one little nasty pants that has to have something ugly to say. And that's what we focus on. So I've had to train my brain to stop focusing on the one nasty pants and look instead at the general goodness that's out there and that I was able to feed into. Mm -hmm. That's what helps you get rid of your filter. Because if everybody loves you, then you weren't really anything to anybody. And if nobody loves you, then you probably do need to adapt a little bit because somebody somewhere should love you. And (laughs) that might be on you at that point, but we have to stop. 
For me, I've run for office twice. I've lost both times, spoiler alert, because I'm far too moderate in a lot of people's regards. And that's not where the world is right now. The world is in widely separated camps. But whenever you run for office, you become a target. And it's the most disappointing thing to me in the world, how ugly we are to people behind a keyboard that we have never met and never spoken to. And I frankly don't understand why we, as a as a population, we have decided that anybody who runs for office is fair game. Well, because I've run twice, I've developed a thicker skin. I've cried plenty of ugly cries into my pillow and in the shower because it still hurts, but I've learned how to own my opinions and keep moving. Mm -hmm. We all need to do that, frankly, because we're supposed to have different opinions. I mean, the person That's you're right. sleeping with is supposed to be different from you. If you agree on everything, how That's boring right. is that? Yeah, that's right. That's kind of my stance in the world. And that's what I express. I can run my life with my specific views. I can respect you for yours. Just yes. don't make your shit my shit. Right. So right. let's just figure out how to talk like adults, behave like adults and work together to push the whole thing forward. Like it can still be separate opinions and separate philosophies and we can still operate without and change the world without having everyone just be another rep duplicate of ourselves, right? It's so, the whole have a beer together concept, right? Totally. Think totally. about it. When we were younger, before the world got so heavy into cancel culture, in college, do you remember having conversations with people who disagree with you about stuff, but you do it over beers and you might get really heated and then you have one more beer and suddenly everybody's happy again because one more <laughs> beer solves everything? Right. Maybe that's what the world needs, friend. One more beer. One more beer. Yeah. I mean, it wouldn't be a bad thing. Well, we just lost the other half of the audience there who's teetotalers. So I think we are, we're down to two viewers now. And, it's their yeah, and they're recording us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. Well, so going to your speaking, your speaking career. So you were quiet. You got on your, your, your now you're on your, you know, you speak to white audiences and you, and you do the online social media portion. Um, how did you actually overcome your fear to be able to execute? Do you actually enjoy doing this now? And what kind of feeling does it give you at this point? Or do you ever, I'm doing good. I'm giving myself like affirmation that I'm doing good and you, you accept that. As it's interesting. Success. I usually look back and fuss at the old version of myself. I don't look back and affirm myself. I need to fix that. That's such an interesting perspective because I look back at my early days of teaching and speaking, my early videos, I'm like, oh my God, girl, what is wrong with you? That hair, that outfit, those words, your eyebrows look terrible. And I will just rip myself all to shreds, which I think is probably part of the female condition, if we're honest. I'm not sure that men do that like women do. We're so uber critical of our own externals, which includes your voice and includes the words that you say. But when I do look back, I'm, I'm really interested because I thought that becoming a speaker would be 15 minutes of fame. I really thought that I was a flash in the pan, that I would have some content to give, and then the stages would move on to somebody else. And that didn't happen. And my business grew, but it's because I'm obsessed with delivering value. I'm obsessed with being able to give people something that's going to make them say, ah, I could do that, whether it's 12 things or one thing. Mm -hmm. And that drives me to always do the research and always read the books and continually doing things so that I can bring that value. But I still, when I'm getting on the stage in Clubhouse, if it's somebody that I'm totally intimidated by, which are plenty of people, because in the clubhouse, there are people you would never expect to be in a room with. That's right. Vanilla Ice was in there yesterday and I raised my hand to get on that stage and got pulled up and I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. I don't even like the guy. He's just a, a white rapper from the nineties. I never listened to white rap. I listened to country, but he's famous, right? And so I could look down and it was like the very first time I ever spoke, could look down and I was watching my sweater move. And if you've ever had your heart beat that fast, you can watch your clothes move. That's how excited I get internally when it's time to get on the microphone. So that hasn't changed, but I've just learned how to channel that into, all right, if I'm that anxious, I have to deliver. I can't 
take this for granted because the people listening have entrusted me with their time. They don't That's mistrust right. you with their dollars when they sign up for a conference and with their ears, they're entrusting you with their time. And we don't have any extra time, Kendra. We have a poverty of it. And the number one excuse people give for not doing things is they're too busy. Busy. And what are they busy with? They can't even tell you, but they feel busy and they feel stressed out. If they're giving me their time, I've got to deliver. And right. that's what drives me to keep going. And in addition, I get these little notes. I get these little texts and DMs and people say, thank you. And I didn't believe in me today, but I tried this and thank you for being there for talking like me. Nobody talks like me. Everybody else is perfect. You don't seem perfect. I'm so grateful. These little tiny spotlights of other people's desperate need to be noticed. Mm -hmm. And I do really, I work really hard to notice people, to let them know that I see their name. I see where they're from because as humans, oh my God, we need that. And when so many people are behind their keyboards typing like this, they're angry and they're typing in all caps and with exclamation points. But what most people need is, hey, friend, I, I, talk to me. What's going on? Yeah. And that's what we all have to strive for that. I got to tell you a story. Last night, I get a text on Instagram from somebody who had heard me in Clubhouse. And she said, I listened to your videos. I've watched all your stuff. I thought I was going to make it in real estate, but I have so much fear. I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can jump into this. I know I know people, but I just don't know if I'm cut out for it. Just all of the self-doubt. And I texted her back and I said, what's your cell phone? And she texted back and she said, you shut up right now. And here's her phone. Cause we know she was saying like, you shut up. Yeah. And yeah. I called her right away. And she answered the phone and she's like, oh my God, are you seriously calling me? And I said, yes. I said, and you're going to tell me out loud what's going on. And so she started to say her fears. And every time she said a fear, she'd back it up with, well, actually I could do that. I'm like, mm -hmm. And this fear, well, I could do this. She just had to verbalize it and get out of her own way with somebody who wasn't her family or her best friend or just a Circle. person. Yeah. Right. And she promised me that she would message me by the end of today with the assignment that I gave her at the end of our call. She messaged me. She said, I did these three things and I feel like I can do this. I said, that's all you have to feel is that you can do it because I believe in you. I've never met a woman, but what do we get to do for each other? Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's it's the gift of the microphone is you, you get to elevate other people if you choose to do it. Right. Some people take the microphone, they choose to elevate themselves. Right. I figure that if other people succeed, they'll give me a high five. That's all I need. I, I mean, mean, I ah. think one, that's fantastic. So kudos to you for, for leveraging your, the little, little strides to make these big strides. Right. I mean, I think my president just reminded me of this a month ago, take small bites of the elephant because it's what you have to do, right? And just not looking back and not concerning yourself with the surroundings, not listening to the stuff between your ears because it happens all day, every day. And all we're getting so much feed every single day. Like an you wanna talk about abundance, it's an abundance of crap that we're filtering through from social media platforms, from text messages, from calls, from this. Um, from fake motivational speakers. From fake motivational speakers. And so, I hate using the word authentic, but I'll tell you, when you are yourself or lousy you are, it's when you don't, people are bullshit. And I think they should. I think there should be more of that, which was my attraction to you on Clubhouse is I thought, oh my God, I could finally talk to another female without glossing over some think they have to be something else besides whatever collection of art I think there's a separation right there's there's your there's the women that are just trying to do their job to get to the next day then there's the huge separator of entrepreneurial women that have this perception that they have to be a certain way to be accepted by society in that role, to be respected potentially. So they need to be this dominant figure. And 
you know, going back to you reflecting to your old videos, you know, you're looking at your hair, you're looking at your eyebrows, you're looking that coupled with I'm walking into a room of males that are, let's just say middle-aged for the most part, maybe some youth trickled in there. They're and judging my appearance, but they want to, they, they're waiting on the opportunity to pounce for what I don't know versus listening to what I do know. So I think that there is a level of that. And then when you get another female party in the mix, then, then it could ultimately become confrontational by two alpha women. And again, I, I don't know, like there's a lot of variables with it's that. It's an you know? interesting space though, which I, I don't know that men go through all of those different variables that you describe because I, I do think that they organically create six people. Like they talk on top of each other and the women that I know, some of them will get in there, but then they're like, eh, I don't feel like talking on top of you guys. I'm just going to go over here and get something done. So they walk away from it instead of pushing into it, That's which right. I guess is what creates some of this organic separation Right. But maybe if some of us that are strong spoken alpha type women who have room for others in their life, we just yep. need to get louder, I guess. That's right. Well, louder or just more intentional, right? Like we aren't going to stay and have this contest of who can be the loudest of the most and regurgitate just nothingness, zero value, right? Instead, Let's have an intentional conversation with people who have intent to move forward. And if there's nothing that is is traded in terms of value, we exit and we move on to something else, another notebook, right? So I just think it, it comes down to what are you trying to grab from the world and what are you trying to give to the world, right? And you saying that, um, I wanted to circle up with you on this. You, a lot of people are talking about, I just want to give, I want to give and I want to abundantly receive. Oh, it's so hilarious. I mean, this is a thing. Like it's in and the bio. I'm just here to give. I'll come right. up on stage. I don't have a question. I'm here to give. No, you're not. You're here to talk. Yeah, right. That's right. So let's hone in on that for a second, because <laughs> I am here to give value within my space where it can be received and valuable to the recipient, but I'm, I'm here to make money. Let's not, let's not skirt around this. I'm here to close deals. I'm here to make money. I would love to make money with you if there's synergy to do so. If, if my style is encouraging you to do more then I'm thank God. And I'm able to provide a value. If the way I run my day is inspiring you. I'm happy to share how that, how that looks. Right. But I don't know that I would go out there. This is where it's hard for me. The word leader, the word inspiration is extremely hard for me to me personally to accept. I'm sure you get this often, probably by the hour, running all these shows and these different facets of your business. It's encouraging, right? It's encouraging to see movers. So how do you start demanding value back for yourself? Because you have to receive to give. I've had to create my own peer groups and we, we understand that there's a, there's a hierarchy, right? It's not that it's some ugly kind of a caste system, but there's a hierarchy. There's people who operate with this kind of an MO, their life ends at five o'clock and there's this crowd that wants to take the next step, but doesn't take the next step. And there's this crowd that does take the next step and you're, you're continually getting a smaller and smaller audience. And then you get up here to the ones who have done the work, gotten the idea, executed the idea and now they're killing it but the right. people killing it at the top is a really small population right you have to find those people now for me it's this many people it's a really really tiny small text thread it's not a giant twelve thousand person space but that's where i go to get refreshed and i say i have this challenge and i catch their feedback and i say oh but i heard this today and then i tried this and i feed back so it's a what you just said, a trading of value is what exists in my little mastermind group. So mm -hmm. when I am able to trade value, I'm filled back up so then I can go give to other people. But I'll also say that every time I talk to somebody who's in a really rough spot, the trading of value is not just idea for idea and money for money. Sometimes okay. it's me pouring out because they're going to pour into me later. So it's a delayed gratification, which I find to be magical. I wish I could find it. There's a note that I got in the mail. So I do get messages on the regular, but I got this note and the lady heard me speak in 2015 and wrote me a note. 
and had to tell me all the impact that I'd had on her in the last six years. And I was floored by that. And I had no way of knowing until she took the time to let me know. Mm -hmm. So I got delayed gratification from pouring into her all those years ago while she needed it then I needed it now because I needed to be lifted back up because when she sent me that note, it inspired me to go dial into somebody else. Well, that's what, and there is that, right? Like, so there's different facets of this and I don't want to make it sound so harsh, but I do think that it's fair though, because what you're suggesting is that your time has a monetary value, right. which it does. Right. And all you're saying is that if you're going to give in, you want to receive back. And that right. is a fair expectation that you should not apologize for. Well, I don't feel apologetic towards what I said. What I do want to be heard though in that is exactly what you just said. I think the receipt can come in different forms, right? I do think there's a place though where we have to demand something monetized from a financial perspective. And, and I feel like that's glossed over or perceived as bad in things like Clubhouse or in groups where it's like, or the mastermind groups. This isn't about doing deal or, um, you know, lots of people will say these masterminds aren't necessarily about deals. It's about affiliation and taking the next opportunity. BS, then why did it cost 30 grand, right? Like, no, somebody is monetizing and I want an ROI, right? I love the affiliation. It's great to be in the room with uh, whomever, right? Whoever celebrity is fantastic, I guess. But we all put our pants on the same way or skirts and we're all going to be buried in the same same box, maybe a little fancier, right? So at the end of the day, I care about impact and monetizing the impact when it makes sense, right? So I think it's one of those things that not a lot of people are talking about. You clearly are monetizing your business channels and making an impact. So how are you doing that? And how are you separating those channels to do that? Well, if we're just speaking about my real estate business, where I monetize my channels is by using social media, using my ability to wordsmith to create a, relation, a relational response, to get people to come back to me and say, I want to know about this. I have this. Everything's conversational. So mm -hmm. I'm able to attract new clients by having conversations. Oh, it's the same thing that I do in places like Clubhouse where I get into conversations that attract people. They understand that we so that they will come to my coaching because I've, even though I offer up anything I have in a group setting, I will, I will share anything. I have zero compunction about sharing, even with a competitor right here in my town, because frankly, sharing with most people is just going to make them feel good, but they won't execute. So you're pretty safe to share with people. It's very sad, but true. Yeah. But there's that one person that says, I see this. I need the one-on-one. -on -one. I need the kick in the butt. I need the reboot. And they hire me for coaching. So I found that by using a free value, I can attract paid clients, which allows me to impact them in a one-on-one -on -one space. Mm -hmm. But all of those things add up to ideas, which go in my idea journal for the next book and for the mm -hmm. next video and for the next presentation. Mm -hmm. So I'm always looking for the one moment that's going to spark that next angle in my brain to give something back to somebody else. And in Clubhouse, I have closed buyer referrals. I have, in fact, the agent that sent me the referral was so excited because he's like 23 and he didn't know anybody in Charlotte and I helped his frat brother. I feel like the mother, it was so fantastic. <laughs> a bunch of coaching. I have had people reach out about doing presentations for their companies, but the reason they come to me is not because I pitched for it. It's not because I asked for it. It's because I threw so much value out there that they said, I can't possibly pick all this up right now. How do I hire you so that I can have one-on-one -on -one access? I love that. It's just the, it's just being you. That's what's awesome is you're just going to do you anyways. So exactly. if you have a microphone to do you, then people are going to walk through your day and be inspired by how you run your life, which is this, the only way I can imagine doing this right. Right. Um, and then you don't have to remember what you said, because if you're always true to yourself and true to your belief system and true to what you know, there's no tracks to go back and cover up for. 
I might forget because I do sometimes spout off really amazingly impactful things like, oh shit, I didn't write that down. It was good because it just kind of created itself, but I'm not going to go tell a lie to somebody. I'm not going to make up a a result. I promise that you're going to get a hundred thousand more in business and I'm not going to promise this and this like, no, what you see is what you get and I'll dial in and I'll dig in and I'll dig out of you. But they, I, I never have to apologize because it is what it is. Well, and you're going to execute different than the next person and the next person and the next person, right? I mean, I think that's, that's one thing I had to learn in business was um, you can give people tools to your point. You could share the world with people and you, you could check back in with them a month, two months, six months, a year, 10 years, and they're still in the same spot, which is way different than you would have ever run, ran your life. So um, I think there's so much that plays into that, right? And that's a whole nother conversation. And there's behavioral uh, therapists and therapists and counselors and all these different people that can comment better than I can. But, um, you know, you mentioned having kids. What would your kids say about you in terms of how you run your house and how you run your business? Are they the same? Uh, my kids call me extra. They're like, mom, you're too extra, which is, you know, proof that I have teenagers. I had to go look up what it meant to be extra, but I found out that I guess I'm glad I'm not basic because there's yeah. extra and there's basic, you know, yeah. they think I'm too much because I am out in front of everything, but they also know that my kids are introverts and I'm an introvert and they watch me at home after I've gotten everything done. And if you're an organic introvert, you know that people drain you. So by the time your day's over, you're like a wet spaghetti noodle. You're just done. Well, that's their favorite time of day. And it's mine because even though they're teenagers, we will land in a big pile on the couch. And then we watch The Bachelor because it's so much fun to make fun of. But we just kind of all loom in together. And they would tell you that I am demanding and that I expect the best of them. And that I expect them to have manners and I expect them to show up at dinner and I expect them to be kind to their elders and I expect them to go to church and I expect them to answer questions about the sermon on the way home. They'll tell you that I expect a lot from them, but they'd mm-hmm. also tell you that when I'm not there, cause I'm, you know, on a two day trip or whatever to give the expectations, they wish they had the expectations because that's, it helps them move forward. And that's where it goes back to what you and I briefly mentioned before. Too many parents are afraid to put expectations on their kids because they say, oh, you know, I got to let them be who they are. No, you have to teach them to work within guardrails, give them guardrails because then they can succeed. And that way, when you take the guardrails off, which is when they're 18 and they leave the house, they know the difference in right and wrong. They know how to work. They know what their ethic is. They have some glimpse of an idea as to who they are because they're very unique people, mm-hmm. but I have to give them guardrails right now because I'm almost out of time. They're mm-hmm. going to be leaving my house. Mm-hmm. And it's probably the one thing I say on the regular is I don't know how you two are going to survive in the world without me because of not bringing their dirty clothes to the laundry or helping with this. And my daughter put her Chick-fil-A sandwich in the microwave and, you know, there's foil in the wrapper. <laughs> That was that's so much. And so now she's kind of scared to be a cook because she set the microwave on fire. But I've enjoyed that story a lot. But, you know, it's the whole I, parenting is often I heard it referred to one time as the longest, shortest time because every day oh. lasts forever. But, man, it goes by so quickly. Yeah. And I, I don't have any regrets for being a fast paced entrepreneur that did not Velcro my kids to my hip. I am glad that I have taught them to be independent, to manage their own schedules and to get things done without me hovering. But I'm glad that I was there to give the guardrails and give the guidance and also to snuzzle on them when they want to be snuzzled on. Yeah, right. So do you have, it sounds like you do, but I want to hear this from you. Do you have core values of which you run your personal and professional life or is it the same for both? the same for both. And I think it has to be right. Because too often we try to run our lives by two different sets of rules, which means at some point they're going to come into conflict. Mm -hmm. So for me, my core values would be, I have to get certain things done first. So the rest of the day can operate correctly. And that's, I have to exercise first in the day. So I run before daylight. 
I have to get my devotion done before I do anything else. Because if I don't fill my day up with scripture, then other stuff sneaks in. And then I start waking people up in my house because if I wake all of them up first, they're going to totally derail all the things that I need to get done. And then things are going to happen, right? So I have expectations of schedules and being on time. That's a core value in my business and in my personal life. I have an expectation of fulfilling your commitments. If you said you would do it, do it. If you can't do it, resign gracefully, but you're going to have to persevere. Mm -hmm. In fact, the example of that, that was wide in my life last fall in 2020, we only had one municipality around us that was having sports because of the coronavirus shutdown. Mm -hmm. And we won't go down that rabbit hole, but children need to move. They've got to move and they need to be outside and they need to not be locked up in rooms. So I signed my kids up for sports. My son loves baseball. My daughter played softball when she was smaller, but she had not played for four years. Well, our city was having trouble finding coaches. And I said, I am not going to stand by and know that kids are willing to get outside and there won't be a grown up to lead them. So I said, I'll, I'll coach. Yeah. And then I made my daughter sign up. I said, if I have to go coach, you're going to have to come below. I don't want to play. I haven't played in years. She came out to one practice. Oh, I don't want to do this. I just want to quit. I'm like, nope. You told me you'd do it because I was out here. You're going to suck it up. You're going to do the season. We get through the season. She found out she was better than she was four years ago, the last time she'd played. And her confidence was going here. Yeah. And it was really good for her to see that going through that moment of wanting to quit resulted in a really good end game. And that's my business life. That's my personal life. You hit rough spots. You go through them. On mm-hmm. the other side, we don't know us on the other side, but you have mm-hmm. to get through it. That's right. That's right. I love that. I mean, you just resonate with me. Um, you did on Clubhouse for the 30 seconds I heard you in that room. I, I think you were un- unapologetic and you threw a couple uh, uh, profanity bombs out there and some knowledge bombs, but it's okay. And I actually wanted to highlight that. Um, as a positive thing to who you are, right? You've mentioned that you you read scripture, you, you've instilled that in your children. I myself am a Christian. I, I'm, it's a massive part of my morning, every morning. I would just t- say though, it's okay that we're not perfect as Christians. Or what as my favorite we- t-shirt says, I love Jesus, but I cuss a little. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's just life, but it's also where if you felt like at some point somebody judged you for not having the same faith tradition as you, that's probably somebody who's slightly off kilter. I don't judge people for being different from me, but if they want to know where my joy is, I'll tell them, but I'm not going to shove it down your throat. Spirituality is 100% a personal thing. I'm not, I'm not putting that on anyone else, everyone, even my children, they're at an age now where they need to make those decisions for themselves. They know what we believe as a family, um, but they need to make those decisions. And it comes a day where everybody does. And obviously talking to many people like you, um, I find that people have different backgrounds and different spiritual beliefs and it is cool. And so Again, being part of a larger body to move things in a progressive, a true progressive manner um, in in a direction where we can all learn and grow and scale both in personal and business. We need people to be different and we need people to speak up about what they do and don't like and be true to them. So in that, um, I I know we're at like an hour and I want to be respectful of your crazy busy schedule. But I think we could probably talk for days. I think we were meant to be friends, frankly. I can just tell. (laughs) Yeah. So um, if people want to get a hold of you to either get your coaching or to have you help them um, with any properties they buy in your hood, how do they do that? Well, it's Lee, L-E-I-G-H, and Brown like the color, LeeBrown.com. And I'm Lee Brown on pretty much all of the social networks. And even though I have lots of followers, I still answer my stuff myself because I love the conversational social aspect of social media. And I think it's got to be genuine to be relational. So feel free to reach out anytime. I'd love to meet you, whoever you are. And for the record, if you go to Google and you look for Lee Brown, you're going to get this Australian rugby player. Because he was apparently some big famous person in Australia. And one day I'm going to Australia and I'm going to meet Lee Brown and the internet's going to explode. So if you see a medium plus aged man, that's not me. (laughs) 
clearly not. But I'm waiting nowadays, on that day, Kendra. It's going to be amazing. Uh, nowadays, you would not know that. So thank you for the disclaimer. I appreciate that. You know, there you is. Know, you, there's days. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, well, thank you so much for your time, Lee. You have been such a joy. And I hope that everybody listening has had an opportunity to grab some of her valuable knowledge nuggets and just her realness um, in how you too should stay true to yourself and know that you're capable of execution. Um, compartmental, we're going to say compartmentalize. compartmentalize and execute. Because yeah. you should listen to Kendra too, people. She dropped a bunch of bombs too. It was so much fun for both of us. I'm so excited. Thrilled. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you so much. And I'll see you on Clubhouse. And I'm sure we'll be in touch for sure. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of The Rommel Report. You can find more information about Kendra at Kendra Rommel on Instagram and at Kendra Rommel Team on TikTok. Stay tuned for the next episode. And until then, we welcome your feedback and questions for upcoming episodes. Hard work alone won't make you a millionaire. Just like a pro athlete, it takes grit, discipline, and mastery. Let's level up together. At 2022, Futures Financial LLC, all rights reserved. This is not a commitment to lend. All offers of credit are subject to approval. Restrictions may apply. Futures Financial LLC reserves the right to amend rates and guidelines. NMLS ID 2319852. Loans made are arranged pursuant to a California finance lender's law license 168740. See www.futuresfinancial.com.